Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Parent Cipher. So today we have Miss Cassandra from Be Well Sis on our show. And just to tell you briefly about her, she's a woman of many hats mother of two young boys, a medical doctor, wife, educator, wellness blogger, and she's a host of the award-winning Be Well Sis podcast. And she's incredibly passionate about the wellness and self-care practices of Black millennial women. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Girl, for the very first episode, guys, I talked about self-advocating for yourself and your health. And then Cassandra blessed the show with her presence. And I was like, ooh, it's going to be so good because this is what she does. And I've been following her forever because I just love her self-help tips. So it is National Caregivers Month. So this show is dedicated to the caregivers. I wanted to talk about identifying overcoming burnout because it is difficult caregivers in these streets to recognize that they are burnt out. Yeah, burnout is so real. I think it's become so common in our culture that we think, well, this is what adulting is. Adulting sucks. No, <laughs> dude, you're just burnt out, you know, and we just keep going, keep dredging along and it spirals into like depression and anxiety and all of those other things. So, And then how do you identify burnout? Because like you said, in our community, it's the grind, it's the grit. So it's like, it's part of our Black experience. And my mama did it, and her mama did it, and I got to be strong. Yep. I'm not weak. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So I would say the first thing is recognizing that you're human. And this is something that I'm actively working on. I'm in therapy, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I'll probably be in therapy for a very long time, maybe for the rest of my life, because I need that outlet and I need the mirror to be put to my face. But anyway, one thing that I've been realizing and working on is that I try to push through things and my therapist is like, you're a whole human. You're not a machine. And I think a lot of us grew up seeing these examples around us, like our mothers, our grandmothers, our aunties, just pushing through and really moving mountains and making it seem like it's just a molehill. So we think, well, that's what we should be doing. That makes us a woman. It makes us a strong one, makes us a good one, makes us, hey, a black woman. And I think we need to to take a step back and realize that we're human and you're going to need rest. You're going to need to take a step back. You're going to have feelings that don't feel good. And it's okay to be sad sometimes. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to experience all the ranges of emotion that come with being a human. It's okay. But what I would say in identifying burnout is when, for me, I suffered from burnout. And that's why I actually started a podcast. But my burnout for me was that I had a lot of great things going on. My child, my youngest, he had an unexpected birth. Like uh, my pregnancy was completely nothing to talk about. 
But during labor and delivery, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. And his first few months of life were really scary. But at the same time, he was doing better because we weren't sure we'd bring him home from the hospital. It was that bad. And so my child was getting better. My older child was okay. I have a supportive husband and my mother's huge support in our lives too. But I would go to bed every night thanking God for my blessings and then praying at the same time that I didn't wake up the next day. And right. And in speaking to my doula, my doula would check in with me and she was like, something's not the same. And she knew that I was seeing a therapist before in the earlier part of my pregnancy. She's like, have you seen your therapist? I'm like, no. Nah. She's like, do me a favor and go back and see her. And I went back to go see my therapist. And what she asked me was, like, okay, so run me through your day. I ran through my day from before sunup to sundown. I'm like doing things for other people. And she's just like, okay, so I haven't heard you mention yourself in any of this. And I just sat there looking dumb because she was right. And she was like, you sound like you're suffering from burnout, which has rolled into depression. She's like, you know, for the next four weeks, let's see if you can carve in like an hour a day of doing something Mm -hmm. just for yourself, not for your kids, not for your employer, not for your husband, not for your parent, just for yourself and see how you feel. So to make a long story short, burnout for me was depression, but it doesn't need to look like that for us to be burnt out. Right. For me, burnt out looked like... I had this pivotal moment where I was sitting in the doctor's office because both my boys are diagnosed with autism, so they need speech therapy, occupational therapy. So three days a week, I was taking one son to be remediated for dyslexia. And then on the Friday, they'd get out of school half a day and we would be in the doctor's office from one to four. And that was like my day to day. And I remember sitting in the chair, totally zoned out. And my kids start asking questions. They will always say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, why are you sorry? Sorry, yeah, take me to the doctor. And I started to ask myself, how are you showing up? And then I went to see a therapist too. Mm-hmm. All right. And she started asking me exact same questions. Like, what do you do for yourself? What makes you happy? And I realized that I had totally disconnected. Yes. So burnout is a disconnection at some extent. Yeah. And you're disconnecting from how you feel instead of you're just like more on a robotic way of yes. acting. Like you're there for everybody. You're everyone's superwoman, mm-hmm. super parent. You don't clock in at any point. And I had started to zone out. Like yeah. I was doing everything to get away out of looking for myself and servicing myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with burnout, people hear that. They're like, oh, I mean, is that a real thing? But it is. And like you said, it's like the gateway to depression. Look, guys, you could be depressed and I know you're depressed. Period. <laughs> Yep. Yep. You think, well, this is just how I am. It's an interesting thing because when I went to a therapist, I didn't go to the therapist for that reason. I went to a therapist because I had, so I'm, I'm going to say breakdown, but it wasn't really a breakdown. I had sleep deprivation, Cass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the girl was like little Looney Tunes. I had gotten to the point where it was, I think they told me I had like maybe 24 hours before I probably would have been admitted. And one of the catalysts of my delusions was literally anxiety. And I started to have to really embrace that I had anxiety. And I'm like, that's not a thing. I don't have that. But what I started to realize in the research, especially for our Black community, is that's the thing that helps us exist. Mm. It's the thing that we have been utilizing to exist in this white world. Yeah. And it's the what if. What if. We're always preparing somewhere in our mind, our spirit, how we're acting. 
towards mm-hmm. people, how we show up mm-hmm. is steeped in our anxiety. And I literally, like you talk about how you didn't want to, you be like, I hope I don't wake up in the morning, girl. I literally would be scared to death that I was going to die. And it would take up a lot of my space. Yeah. Like I would have nightmares that I'm about to die. I would start fixating on my kid's existence without yeah. me. And uh, I really knew I, I really knew I had issues when I was like, I don't know if anybody knows Octavia Butler, but she writes sci-fi books, but she also was a recluse. And I literally was sitting at the stoplight one day and I dropped my kids off and I was like, girl, it ain't safe in these streets. Like you drop them off in a daycare and something happened, you can't yeah. get to your kids. Oh man, we should move up in the mountains. So look, yeah. just to be clear, I'm a straight city girl. I don't like dirt. I don't like bugs. And for me to say, we're going to move up in the mountains, you know it's a problem. Right. That wasn't you. Right. But you make a really good point about how anxiety helps us to exist as Black people and to navigate this white supremacist land. But it's a really fine line because it really is important for us to constantly be thinking a couple steps ahead. Right. But like I said, it's that line where we don't want the constant preparation and the constant thinking to consume us. Right. And then with that being said, If you have anxiety or you have burnout, what are some things that you can do? Like your therapist said, carve out an hour. My therapist had me doing meditation and it didn't work for me, but we started Mm -hmm. doing mindfulness. And for anyone who doesn't know, mindfulness really is an extension of meditation, but you get to move around, but it's like actually being present Mm -hmm. in the space. So when you're driving, what does the steering wheel feel like? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you seeing? And that really helped me to really start to focus on what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. But for people who are kind of like, I'm burned out and I got time mm-hmm. for this, what would you suggest the two things that they possibly could do to support themselves? I'm going to say this. If somebody feels that they don't have time, please make time because you are so, so important. As important as, if not more important than all of your responsibilities. Think about, especially as Black women, all of the things that we make work and we make run, starting with our households, right? You were talking about you know, your children and thinking about how they need you. Yes, your children need you to be the best version of you. I knew when I was burnt out, the first signs for me that I ignored was how short I was with my kids. My mm. kids were doing regular small kids shit. And I was <laughs> like upset for them doing kid stuff. And just being short and just aggravated and expecting way too much from my kids. So that was a thing. So what I'll say is this, and not only that, it affects your actual physical well-being, not only your mental. Your mental is so, so important. We disregard it. But if you are somebody who is more led by how do I feel and my physical health, I'll say that not only does burnout lead to depression, but it could also lead to things such as hypertension. It could also lead to things such as blood sugar dysregulation, which could eventually lead to diabetes. So think about how many people in our community suffer from these things. I think in many ways, the manifestation of the burnout, the body does not know how to cry for help or doesn't know how to function, quote, normally under really heightened stressful situations. So burnout essentially is when we are not managing our everyday stresses appropriately. Life is going to be stressful, unfortunately, and it's an extra layer of stress if you are Black, another extra layer of stress if you are a woman navigating this world. So it's mm. really, really important to like take a step back. Like you said, to be mindful, like 
one of the things that my therapist really helped me to realize that I need to do more is to ask myself, what do I need right now? Because my mind wanders into like, we need this a month from now. We need this five years from now. No, 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 no. And that could make you really stressed out. What Mm -hmm. do I need right now? So in doing that, I've been able to get a little bit more peace. And like you said, to just feel more in tune with myself. Sometimes what I need right now is literally a glass of water. Sometimes it might be, you know what, I'm tired and I can, so let me take a nap. Sometimes it's, you know what, let me play with the kids. Sometimes it's, let me step away from my work for a minute. But yeah, listen to your body. What do you need right now? Another thing that I would say in helping to manage burnout is to ask for help. We oftentimes, as Black women, I'm always going to reference Black women because I can only speak from my experience, Mm -hmm. is that we have seen the people who came before us do so many amazing things seemingly by themselves, not realizing that so many of our mothers and our aunties really had each other as a support system. Ask for help. Lean on people who care about you. People who love you and care about you do not want you to be struggling and to be suffering. So lean on your community. If you're in a situation where you don't really have much of a community because of distance or whatnot, see what you can outsource in your life. There are things that we may hate doing and may not even be good at, but we have to do it. For example, like cleaning up the house, laundry, making your meals, All those things, there are people who absolutely love doing that thing and are good at doing that thing. So if you can, outsource. It's okay. It does make you less of a woman, make you less of a parent. None of those things. If you can't do it, there's somebody else who can do it and who can do it excellently. And that frees up some time and some mental space for you to do something that really nourishes your body and your mind. I'm like, yeah. But that's where I'm at right now. Like, I always have conversations with my friend. I'm like, oh, man. Who can I outsource this to? And there's some resistance, you know, cultural resistance that I can do it. I can do it myself. But like you said, you don't have to do it yourself. And the other one, when you said, you know, actually having a community around you, it is the moment where I like to say, sometimes we are like Miss Fine. Like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Are you really though? And it's like, you don't want to say I'm not fine. But what I've learned to say, because I had like a moment where my virus is kicked in and I wasn't fine. And um, I realized I was saying I'm fine because I'm like, oh, well, that's what I want to be. So then I start telling people, you know, I'm healing. I opened up mm-hmm. to people about my diagnosis and I really started paying attention to like when Cass says, what do you need right now? I realized that there were groups I needed to come out of. There were people I love dearly, but they took up my energy. Mm. It took a lot of energy for me to interact with them. And I really was in a place where I didn't have any to give. And I had to be clear. I just not saying I don't want to be with you. But one of my friends was like, oh, let's go to Arizona. And I'm all about a trip. But I had to think about the interaction for me. I'm like, I have to navigate personalities. I have to do this. I have to go here. I have to do all that. I can't do it. The old me would have been like, heck yeah. The new me, I said to him, I was like, no, you know, I'm not going to go. I just need to take care of myself. And I just told him, you know, about the viruses and what my concerns were. And he was like, oh, I got you. And it's important that we share with people Mm -hmm. what's going on for support because they can give you all types of support. Sometimes you just want to talk to somebody. Yeah. Sometimes this is good for me. I need somebody to hold me accountable because my default is not to take care of myself. Mm, Yes. Yes, that's a major one. Yes. But the people around me 
are actually prioritizing me. So they hold me accountable. So I have like allergies that are flying all over the place. I'll be on the phone and I'm like, oh, my hands itching. And they'll say, what did you eat? Because you know you're allergic to so-and-so, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a situation. And it's funny because me and Kath were talking about being millennials, right? And I'm like, girl, my whole body tired of me right now. <laughs> they, they were like, man, you better act right because we're tired of supporting your shenanigans. Okay. <laughs> But I had a day where I lost light in one of my eyes. It wasn't for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I was not concerned. Everybody else around me was concerned. And what I did, because I know my default, I knew that if he came back, when he came back, because for me, it was like always oh, coming back, I probably go about my life. What I did was I told two of my friends and I called the doctor, even though it was the weekend, to leave a message because I knew they were going to call me back and that I would go. And what ended up happening is between my friends, like, did you go see the doctor? Them calling me back. Sometimes you have to put stuff in place for yourself because you know who you are. Yes. When it comes to our kids, we're 100. What? They got fever? What? They got, yep. oh, oh, I need to call the doctor. I need to do all these things. But you, you like, be all right. my back hurt. My back hurt a little bit. Right. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yep. That's so true. That is so, so true. You make a lot of good points. The one most recently is about how we are with our kids versus how we are with ourselves. I think when it comes to identifying burnout, it's important to really do some deep diving to get to know yourself and then to treat yourself the way you treat somebody that you really, really love and adore, like your kids, you know? Like if your kid says, my finger hurt, we inspecting that finger, making sure like it's okay. We kissing the boo-boo. If we got to talk to the doctor, we're going to do that. But like with ourselves, like you said, our backs been hurting for months and we just like, well, I'm getting old or well, whatever. No. And then you make a really good point about the community that you hold too. Having somebody that really knows you, that you feel vulnerable sharing with, and then who holds you accountable. My best friend <laughs> drives me crazy with how much she holds me accountable. You right? know? I know it's from love. I know it's from love, but she's right though. You know, like, are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. And I like that you mentioned how the trip to Arizona you said no to. That right there is self-care. Just saying no, knowing yourself and placing those boundaries. People might not like it, but it's okay. You need to do what is best for you. And on that note, let's talk about the self-care thing. I don't have a peeve, but I do have this perspective Yes, that social media yes. and media itself yes. glamorizes self-care. Yep. Where it's this thing that you have to spend a lot of money for and you have to have a certain lifestyle to hold it, to actually get it done. And one of the things that someone said to me was self-care is identifying the thing that you love to do and make space to do it. It's like if you know you need to drink more water and you drink more water, it's self-care. Period. Yep. And I agree with you. I'm on that same wavelength with you because I really hate how self-care has become commodified too. Like it makes it seem like self-care is not for everybody, but I'm telling you self-care is for every single body. For me, self-care is not only identifying what you like to do, but doing all the things that help get you and keep you well, mind, body, spirit. So like you said, water is self-care. Taking vitamins is self-care. Going for a walk, being in nature. It doesn't have to be this extravagant like no. retreat or spa days and all of those things. No. If you like to knit, guess what? Making time to knit is self-care. 
all things that keep you. Self-care also sucks. For me, self-care that I don't like doing <laughs> is therapy. I love my therapist. She is the bomb. She, like I said, keeps me accountable and holds that mirror to my face so I can really see things that I've been trying to push off. But that is self-care too. Just knowing, identifying the areas that I might need some improvement and also patting myself on the back for the ways that I have shown some growth, right? Exercise might be self-care that some people love for me. That ain't my jam. I don't like to exercise, but I know it needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, self-care is this it's, it's elusive thing that they make it seem like you just have to do all these things. It's not, and it's something you can do every day. Yep. Even if you carve out, you know, an hour, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, 15 minutes is something that serves your soul. Yes. I have a plant. Look, I'm going to share this. It's so funny. I was given a plant and this is what I was told about the plant. They said, use the plant as a mirror for yourself and take care of the plant the same way that you want to take care of yourself. And just to just throw this in there, I'm a plant killer. Like, that's my thing. Like, I'm not even going to say it's a green thumb thing. I think it's like tear issue, like okay. tediousness. <laughs> but what I realized with the plant was I was overwatering the plant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I started talking to the plant and I actually called the plant Jeannie. So my name, so my okay. special name is Jeannie, but my given name is Latifah. But I was called the plant Jeannie. And I would be like, oh, Jeannie, what's wrong with you? Why are you breaking down? But I realized I was breaking down. Mm. I was breaking down, and I, but I wasn't paying attention yeah. to it. And to have something, like I say, you could try it or not try it, but to have something outside of yourself that you are treating like yourself, yeah, it's almost like giving yourself the same power like how you treat your kids. Mm-hmm. So when it's not, because it did try to dial me, girl. And I was like, no, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Well, pull yourself back and then really figure it out. Are you watering up? Are you overwatering? And then yeah. when I thought about the overwatering, I was like, but I'm not overwatering myself. But what I was doing, it was I was focusing too much energy in a cup that I didn't need to focus my energy on. Mm. And it's like just the right amount. I mean, self-care should be something that's easy. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this is like my little spew on people. You know, they say people can't change, right? You can't change. But what doesn't change is your default. If you're, I'm going to age myself. I don't care. I'm 45 <laughs> years old. I've spent 30 something plus years of my existence putting everybody ahead of myself. So that is my default. That mm-hmm. is the thing that's leading. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a bit of energy for me and focus. I always have to refocus sometimes. Sometimes I fall into the default. Don't know I fall into the default. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, okay. You can't wait, girl. Why you can't wait? Oh, because you stop. You stop eating your salads. <laughs> because that's part of my self-care. Oh, girl. Mm, your brain getting a little foggy. Why? Oh, because I stopped doing A, B, C, and D. I mm-hmm. will buy my kids vitamins. Mm-hmm. I will make sure they take those vitamins. I will buy vitamins in my clarity moment. Mm-hmm. And then they run out. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take the vitamins. Don't re <laughs> But it's something that's small. It's those little things that they just chalk up because it's not necessarily our default. What gets yeah. to change is your ability to see how you are and that you need to make a shift. But 30 years, you know, times how many minutes your, your heart beats, times right. how many days. Girl, Cass was joking. She was like, she a geriatric millennial. But real talk, when I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, girl. Stop, yeah. stop. Yeah. stop. <laughs> listen, and I also say that, you know, it's part of my spirit too, that I just embrace. Like, listen, this is who I am. <laughs> 
But I'm going to say this about the point that you made about our default. I think because we've been doing certain things for 30 something years, we have to be gentle with ourselves and realize that I've been doing certain things for so long. It's going to take me some time to like mm-hmm. make the adjustments and not trying to change everything all at once. That makes it so daunting. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time, you know, just little by little. So let's just say you did fall off of taking your vitamins. Okay, no problem. You recognize it. Let's pick back up. It's okay. You know, one thing that I'm working on too is my internal voice. I realize that I am so, so, so critical of myself. I would never speak to my enemy the way I speak to myself. And I'm with myself 24 hours a day. And I hear these thoughts. I internalize these. Well, they're already internal, but I hear them, right? So it's really important to speak to myself more kindly and to give myself the same grace that I give the world to give myself that grace. So with that said, your kids, for example, a perfect example, if they've done something that you know you know isn't right for them, but they're struggling with it, you're going to be kind with them. Like, mm-hmm. no, babe, don't do it like this. Do it like this because A, B, C, and D. They'll make that mistake a couple of times so they finally get it. You're not going to wild out on them <laughs> because they made that mistake. And it's the same thing. We need to stop being so hard on ourselves. It's a journey. It's such a journey. And it's so we need to be okay with and expect that we'll have some shortcomings and be okay with the shortcomings. I recognize it. I move on, you know? That's, yeah, I'm with you. Like my internal voice. But I started to do something different. And it may have stemmed from me being sick. I've always been really critical of my week. That's my thing. And even though I've done like the, the work, I call it the work. Like when you're doing the mental work, mental care around why I feel the way I feel. But I said to myself one day, usually I'll be like, man, you got bad stomach. Man, you got this. One day I was like, you know what? Thank you, body. Yes. Thank you for sustaining me amongst my abuse. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sustaining me amongst my abuse. Thank you, arms, for still working mm-hmm. when I put stress in you. Thank you, liver, because I know I'll be putting all types of stuff in there. <laughs> and you are still holding me up, holding me good, yeah. right? And I just really started to thank my body because I know I'll be right all the time, right? Especially when you touched on depression. And I said, you can be depressed and I know you're depressed. I realized that I went through a period of depression where I literally was in a McDonald's drive-thru like every day. Was I conscious of like, you in McDonald's every day? No, but I was depressed. If you had said to me at that time, oh girl, you depressed. I would have been like, no, I'm not. Yep. You know, the awareness around depression, we really depend. One of the reasons why I love Be Well Sis is it not only normalizes, but it talks in a regular conversation about the things that we traditionally look at media to understand what it is. So when you look at depression on TV, you might be looking at the person who's all the way on that tailored, all the way on the like the back end. Yeah. That's what they show you on media. And that's what you're looking for in yourself. But they're not giving you the full view of what it looked like mm-hmm. before. It's, it's a- gradual, right? Yep. yep, it's gradual. And to your point, a lot of us are depressed and don't realize it and think, well, it's because my job sucks. It's because my relationship sucks. It's because, Mm -hmm. you know, things aren't the way I want them to be right now. My bank account ain't right right now. And once all those things get right, then I'll be myself again. 
But in our community, depression, you saying the word depression or even identifying any other mental health struggle was such a taboo, right? And I think now we're able to talk about it more. So we're just now learning what depression looks like and the various ways that it shows up. But yeah, depression, like you said, is a spectrum. What we see on television, what's like talked about is really usually the end stages of depression or like the extreme versions of depression. Sometimes depression is just when your house starts to look not like the way you normally keep your house. That's a sign that you're depressed, right? People who are normally like really organized and whatnot, when they start to become disorganized, that's a sign that something's not right. So it's so important for us to really know ourselves and to really be mindful, like you mentioned earlier, and to be in tune with who we are and to realize when something is going wrong or when things are derailing. And it's the small things, guys. It's like, my mom used to always say, like, your room, your my room was a mess. You like, it's a reflection of what's going on in your head. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that whenever I start to feel some kind of way about myself, and let's just be clear, in this conversation, when we talk about self-care and we're talking about burnout, is you can be taking care of everyone else. Your kids can step out the house looking fly. Yeah. But what do you have on, right? What do you have on? Mm. Okay, yeah, you went and got my son's hair done for, you know, whatever. I'm not going to share how much. Got his hair done, took the haircuts, whatever. And I'm like, but girl, when the last time you got your hair done? But professionally, not I do it myself, but professionally. Ooh, listen, you are coming for me it's, right now. Yeah, because the kids look good. Yeah. Mama be looking a mess. Yeah, that's true. But to your point too, I'm thinking now about how just looking at my mother. When I was a kid, I was always fly, super fly. My uniform was always crisp. Shoes were always shine. Hair was always braided. And looking back, my mom was just like, whatever rags. She would just throw on. You know what I mean? But that also it's, is... It's something to think about. Like, guys, look, I'm going to ask y'all something. I want you to go get some old pictures of yourself without kids. I want you to go look at some pictures of your parents before they had you. And then, like, the majority of the time that you were with them as a kid, really think about how they showed up. We're not talking about events. We're talking about regular, everyday life. Yeah. My parents be fly, so fly. But I remember my dad kept up his flyness and my mom did not. And just like you said, my mom wasn't, but we were pressed, you know, all the things. Shoes shiny, but my mom wasn't. And then when I was going through my depression, it was actually my mom who pointed out. She was like, babe, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even care how you look. Mm-hmm. But trust, like my little baby boys, they had all the brand name clothes. Yep. Right. The brand new sneakers. Yep. Self-preservation is human nature. When we are at our best mentally, we will do whatever we can to take care of ourselves first. Like you want to survive, right? So you can tell that something's starting to be off when we're not caring for ourselves. It's not natural Mm -hmm. to care for somebody else better than yourself. You know what I mean? Even though you may have children Mm -hmm. who really depend on you and they can't care for themselves quite yet you still have to make it a priority to show up for yourself a certain way too. Plus think about how kids don't listen to what we say, they listen to what we do. So we have to model self-care for our kids. We can't tell them that it's important to, you know, be neat when you go out in public and we look in a mess, you know, or whatever it is, or just it's important for us to care for ourselves, respect ourselves when we are modeling behaviors that say the opposite. So 
Yeah. And when you have that conversation, so my son's checking me now. He texts me. He was like, Mom, you know, you have been wearing jewelry lately. Hey, Mom, you know, maybe you need to go buy yourself some clothes. Well, you know, you always buy stuff for us. You never buy anything for yourself. They started to check me because even though my kids are on a spectrum, they do therapy that's helped them connect with what they like. And they ask me stuff. So my son asked me, like, what do you like? I like jewelry. He was like, well, I don't see you wearing any. And look, guys, my son's like 10. But I cannot tell you every piece of jewelry I've had because he gets allowance and stuff like that has come from my 10-year-old son. That's beautiful. Um, Oh, that touches my heart. But remember what I just said. It's something that I love to do, but I haven't bought any jewelry for myself. I haven't been wearing my jewelry. And now that I'm aware of it, you know, he bought me a pair of earrings for Mother's Day last year. I get dressed, I put my earrings on, I put my ring on, you know, I put the different pieces on and it makes me feel like more of myself right? than I felt before. So like as Cass is talking about modeling, model for your child, but also give them the context, not something deep, just something light because our kids eventually, they are the ones that hold us accountable in their naivety. Because they're mm-hmm. kind of like, if you give them context, they're able to hold you accountable. It's not like they're trying to. Right. They're trying to support you. Because they're like, oh, well, mom, you told me this is what I need to do for myself. Well, how come you aren't doing it for yourself? Yep. That part. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I know you haven't bought yourself a pair of shoes lately. My kids know I love shoes. Why? Because we had the conversation. They asked me, what do I like? And they're like, well, you say you like it, but you haven't bought any shoes. You say you like jewelry, but you don't wear any jewelry. Back to that conversation that Cass and I are having understanding depression and burnout it can be that simple mm-hmm. when you stop doing the things that end like i like to say your highlight years which is like high school when you were a teenager when you were 20s you super fly you all that those things but then you have kids that's burnout burnout comes from a lot of places for me and kids my family and you stop doing them and you actually switch your energy to them instead of yourself that's when you start so I mean, I just wanted to say to Cassandra, like, it's been a blessing for you to be on the show. And this is the Parent Cipher. So I always ask people, what is the song that motivates them, gets them hype, makes them feel good? What do you got? What you mine, in the cipher? <laughs> mine is I'm a Boss, Meek Miller and Rick Ross. Girl. I don't even know why, because I don't relate to any of the things that they say in that song. But... <laughs> I guess it's the beat. I don't know, but I feel in real like I'm about to do this. I'm about to go in. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I tell people it's some songs that, you know, you're like, ah, I don't like this song, but this hook. But it's something like, you know, it just speaks to you. Yes. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you said, I'm a boss. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And that's the song that me and my mm-hmm. husband walked into our reception. Y'all walked down the aisle to that? No, not, not down the aisle, but into the reception to that. Oh. <laughs> we just had to make sure it was a little ratchet, you know what I mean? Like, set the vibe, set the tone for the reception. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, I wish I was there. Well, share with everyone where they can connect with you and bask in all of your knowledge. Yes. So I have my website is being revamped as we speak. It will launch very, very soon. I'm excited about it. So bewellsis.com. And then I'm on Instagram. My handle is at bewellsis underscore podcast. I'm on Facebook, not really there. And Twitter, I'm starting to tweet more at bewellsis. (laughs) So yeah, reach out, DM. I talk back. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This was a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please subscribe and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. The Parenting Cypher podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and the executive producer, myself, Jeannie Dawkins. Until next time, remember to be patient with yourself and your child.